It is time for the post-week 10 edition of the College 12-Pack. As always, I'm your host, Patrick Khan, senior editor of the College Wires. With me, Tyler Natuno of LSU Tigers Wire. But I want to, before we really dive into it, because we've got a lot to get to, we're, we're going to talk about where we were right, where we were wrong, what the conference title pictures look like. But first, I just wanted to touch base on a uh, tweet that was sent out Monday morning uh, from Pete Thamel. It says, don't expect any action by the Big Ten in the Michigan sign-stealing case. For at least the next 48 hours as the league sportsmanship rules allow for a reasonable chance to respond to an institution or individual, sources have told ESPN that there'll be an illegal battle if there's punitive suspension by the Big Ten to Jim Harbaugh. And this is interesting. Obviously, people are wanting some sort of punishment to come down before Michigan, Ohio State, it seems like, that that final game and uh, ultimately keep hopefully keeping Michigan out of postseason play, potentially suspending Harbaugh again. He's already uh, he's already dealt with a self-imposed uh, suspension. But uh, just really interesting, uh, uh, Tyler, uh, as we talked about off-air before we came on, uh, it kind of seems like while they're not arguing that they didn't steal signs, they want to point the finger at their biggest rivals. Yeah, I mean, it seems like sort of where we're heading with this in terms of the way Michigan's trying to frame it, right, is that, like, Connor Stallions was acting as sort of a rogue um, agent here, and, you know, Ohio State sort of orchestrated the whole leak of the situation, you know, to take down the rival, which, I mean, that's kind of neither here nor there uh, when it comes to, like, actually what's being, um, what Michigan's being accused of here. So, yeah, I mean, I think we'll kind of just see how things play out. I mean, you and I, I mean, I feel like we talked about before the season, before we knew any of this, uh, the Connor Stallion sign stealing stuff. I think we were both kind of operating under the assumption that there was a decent chance that Michigan's wins and, and a potential title, if they won it this year, would likely be vacated because of some of the other NCAA things they've been dealing with. I mean, this just kind of adds you know, fuel to that fire. We'll see if anything happens mid-year. I mean, it would honestly surprise me a little bit if if the Big Ten announced any sort of like postseason ban for Michigan or suspension for Harbaugh during the season would be a little bit surprising to me. But this is also an unprecedented situation. So I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'd be lying to you if I told you I have a, a clear picture for how this kind of thing will uh, will play out. And, of course, we have more distraction as as Michigan actually begins their, their 2023 schedule. I say that jokingly because they're finally going to play somebody uh, who could actually probably give them a little bit of a game. Penn State coming off the the 51-15 demolishing of, of Maryland. Uh, they're they're going to host Michigan this week in Happy Valley. So, hey, distractions. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that plays out. Uh, but let's get into segment one here on the first six-pack of the week. We'll get you the second six-pack later in the week as we always do. Uh, we're going to talk about where I was wrong. And, and, and Tyler, I'm going to start out with Florida State. I, I came on the show on Wednesday. Uh, and that was the show that was released on Thursday where I said that Florida State was going to roll all over uh, Pittsburgh. And, and they got off to another one of those sluggish starts that we've seen before, like against the Boston College Eagles early in the season. They weren't quite able to win by four touchdowns. They did win. 24 seven, but not quite to where I thought they would be. And it it just raises more questions about how, while they've been consistently winning, they've been inconsistent with how they play football this year. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, look, Pitt's just, I think, a really hard team to try to figure out at this stage, you know. Like, you look at them and you could kind of see, you know, Pitt's kind of in the eye of the beholder, right? I mean, they they knock off a Louisville team that looks better every single week. I mean, Louisville coming off of a, thir- like, 34-3 to beatdown against Virginia Tech, a hot Virginia Tech team. Like, Louisville's been pretty great in every single game this year except for a 17-point loss to Pittsburgh. But that same Pittsburgh team coming off a 51-point loss to Pitt, I mean, sorry, to Notre Dame, and then somehow, you know, figures it out, figures out a way to at least keep this game semi-competitive. I mean, you look at 24-7 to in the final, it's not like, wow, Florida State was really in danger there. But in the first half, it kind of felt like it. I mean, this was a low-scoring game. It was like 10-7 to at halftime. Like, you know, there was they were sticking in this in the first half. And, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit concerning. I think, you know, an FSU offense that everyone talks about how explosive it is, and it, and it is explosive with guys like, you know, Jordan Travis and then, you know, receivers and Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, they're really talented. It's been a little hit or miss, though. You know, they've played kind of a lot of uh, not great ACC competition recently, aside from that Duke game. And, you know, they've looked pretty good this past week. Not so much. I mean, it'll be interesting to watch moving forward as they've got, you know, really at this point, it kind of looks like the only thing that could stand between them um, and a 12-0 and uh, regular season is that game on the road against Florida Thanksgiving weekend, which, as we'll get into a little bit later, not exactly the most threatening team right now. So, I mean, the path looks good for Florida State, but yeah, like, I mean, a little concerning the way they played in this game. Yeah, really, it was off to another slow start. If you look at it, they had a, a fumble on their first drive, uh, turnover on downs in their second drive, four straight punts before they were able to turn it on. It's almost like that that Pittsburgh touchdown, kind of like, okay, let's we're done playing around. Um, they rattle off 24 straight points at, on uh, four out of their next five drives. And then really the offense kind of just halted because at that point the game was essentially over. But still, you, you'd like to see more of a offensive onslaught. And, you know, we'll see because they, they'll have more opportunities. It, it almost feels like Florida State's just kind of cruising into that ACC championship game at this point. And we'll talk about the title pictures a little bit later. Now, Tyler, you were – also wrong this week and uh i'll go ahead and let you lay out the foundation for that one yeah i've got a pretty big mea culpa to offer to the alabama crimson tide not just for um what happened this weekend but for things i've been writing and saying about them um on here and in my other outlets um all season long look i after that texas loss i i really thought this was going to be a not necessarily the end of the dynasty but i thought this was a sign that things were falling off i thought this particularly was going to be a down year you know i thought they'd drop a couple more games now they're eight and one and they probably are going to win out and win the sec west and be playing georgia for a chance at the college football playoffs so obviously they go on the or not go on the road they win at home get their revenge against lsu 42 to 28 that game was, you know, like I, I picked a close game. I picked LSU to win uh, 38 to 34, but I thought that there was a reality where LSU actually pulls away and wins that game kind of comfortably. You know, their offense looked game in the first half. They, they you know, were tied at 21 in the locker room, kind of came out of the gate in the second half and scored a touchdown on their opening drive to take the lead, but that was all they got in the second half. So Alabama's defense really tightened up. You know, I think we talked about going into the game that, Florida State was kind of the the blueprint Alabama would try to follow in this game. And honestly, it was a little eerie um, how well it did follow that blueprint. You know, it was a back and forth shootout for a while. Alabama ultimately takes a seven point lead. Jaden Daniels throws a costly interception while they're driving to try to tie, just like he did in the Florida State game. 
And that ultimately swings it when you're looking at an LSU defense that is rough right now. I mean, you know, I didn't think that Jalen Milrow would be able to do what he did on the ground uh, in that game, but he was incredible. I mean, he had 155 yards and four rushing touchdowns. They could not tackle him. They could not get Alabama off the field. Um, you know, I mean, the secondary we talked about, they're banged up. They were starting a guy in Havian Toviano, a true freshman at corner. He hadn't played in a game before um, on defense. So first game action at corner is a start against Alabama. That was pretty tough. The linebacker play wasn't there. I mean, it, it just was not a good game for LSU's defense. And, it, you know, frustrating for that team, you know, given they've got three losses and, you know, any hopes of what they wanted to accomplish this year are basically out the window. But Alabama all of a sudden – looks dangerous. And, you know, I mean, I don't think either of us are that fired up about this Georgia team. Like, I think all of a sudden Alabama looks like a real threat to, to potentially win this conference and, and you know, take a playoff spot. Yep, they do. And you have to like, I mean, obviously, uh, last week I, I said that I was leaning towards Alabama. Now, I still thought the game was going to be close, not like this, but really ultimately with that third quarter, that first possession for the next three drives that Alabama had the football, that was pretty much it. You know, Jalen Milrow really was able to take over on the ground. He wasn't – I mean, he did throw the ball effectively, but really this was about the running game and what they were able to do. And I think you're right. When you look at their potential matchup with Georgia, uh, Georgia isn't the Georgia that we've seen the last two years where they're kind of just throttling, you know, lesser opponents or even some tough opponents. I mean, we saw that uh, going into their second title game with what they – you know, a TCU team that had lost one game all year had just taken care of business against Michigan, and, and they didn't have any hope. They didn't have a prayer in that game. Uh, but but I can think we look at this Georgia team, and, and we don't think that, but, you know, really hats off to the job that Nick Saban's doing. And, and, and again, it goes to it's not how you start, it's how you finish. That defense has played a lot better. Jalen Milrow has, kind of, has really played a lot better since he was benched early on in favor of, of Tyler Buckner, who I think it – if Buckner were starting this game, LSU probably wins in a blowout because I just really didn't see that offensive threat when he was running it. But, you know, Milrow, he, he's essentially running the ball like a, another running back, and they were able to take care of business. Uh, but let's talk about – we talked about where we were wrong. Let's talk about where we were right. Uh, Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma in Stillwater. That's their second straight win. Uh, the last time they beat Oklahoma, that was the final game that Lincoln Riley would coach as the head coach at Oklahoma, at Oklahoma before he left for USC. This time around, it's the final matchup for the foreseeable future in Bedlam. Uh, but I know a lot of people are bringing up the non-called pass interference, and uh, it clearly looked like they should have called it. Referee came out and said that uh, Stoops' foot was out of bounds, and that's why he didn't throw the flag which I think he probably would have stayed in bounds had the defender not contacted him. However, that's neither here nor there. That that game has been decided. Uh, Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma, and now they are. Uh, they're smelling roses right now. They're, they're looking pretty as it looks like they might be facing Texas in the Big 12 title game uh, on December 2nd in Arlington, Texas. Yeah, Um you were right on this one. I was not. You know, I, I thought Oklahoma would bounce back in this game. I mean, look, a lot of concerns here, I think. You know, first of all, like you kind of said, Ollie Gordon absolutely went off um, in this game. You know, had what it got it right here. He had scored uh, two touchdowns, I think. Yeah, he, he scored two touchdowns, went over 100 yards. Like, he had a really great game. And, uh, you know, I, I think 
defensively, it was a concern for Oklahoma. Like, the defense had been pretty solid. You know, we talked about last week, not really the reason they lost to Kansas. You know, I mean, they gave up 38, but had chances. Today, I mean, Saturday, like, eh, I mean, they they gave up almost 500 yards to, to that Oklahoma State team that had kind of been, I mean, outside of Ollie Gordon had been a little bit struggling offensively. They put up a lot of yards, but again, like we've seen, this offense just is not capitalizing. You know, they move the ball, but they, you know, go for two on fourth downs. They turn the ball over three times and you only score 24 points and that's costing you. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, this team has in a lot of ways taken a significant leap this year, but it's still limited in ways that are kind of hard to swallow. You know, I think there's just no reason this team should be struggling in the ways that it is. You know, it, you know, beating Texas was great, but now you've lost to two teams you're talent, more talented than, and it's basically, like you said, cost you probably a chance at playing for a Big 12 title when it looked like you were going to have the inside track to the playoffs. So, yeah, that's it's tough. If you look late in that game, I mean, the drives tell itself, downs, punt, fumble. Three drives right there. You have an opportunity to kind of take over that game late in the third, early in the fourth. Um, you have – Three drives in the third in the fourth quarter. You know, one of them was a fumble, one of them's a field goal, and the other one's uh, turnover on downs. Um, and essentially, you give the game to Oklahoma State. Yeah, and again, much like people were calling for Brian Parents to be fired, people are absolutely upset with Jeff Levy right now. Once again, second game in a row, and and now you look at teams like Kansas State. And Oklahoma, who are on the outside looking in, so so that's tough. Uh, but we'll get more into them. Now, I know we talked just a minute ago about Georgia, but Georgia winning is where you were right, Tyler. And I think uh, – uh, I don't think you squinted long enough because I know you said last week if you squint long enough, uh, you could see a, a, a reality uh, where Georgia loses this game. And you know what? I think that in a way that reality sort of was playing out for a little bit. Like, I mean, Missouri, Missouri battled in this game. Like I, I wasn't, it could have been, you know, I think there was a reality where this game is significantly worse, but you know, they, they just didn't really have quite enough. Like there were, there were positive signs here. Like Cody Schrader went over hundred yards. They ran the ball pretty well on Georgia, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, Florida's got pretty good backs and they couldn't do it last week. So, you know, credit to Missouri for that. It just, you know, really to me, the disappointing thing was that they just didn't quite get enough out of the passing game. You know, we know this is a really talented Georgia defense, but I, I kind of thought Missouri might be able to do a little bit more. You know, Brady Cook had a pair of interceptions. He wasn't particularly efficient. I think only completed like 50% of his passes. Not huge games from Theo Weiss and uh, Luther Burden, guys that I talked about last week is, you know, potentially really challenging this Georgia team, you know, guys of a caliber that they haven't really had to play so far. They got their own, but they didn't go off and take over that game, which I kind of think is what would have needed to happen for Missouri to pull that one off. Um, and, you know, looking at looking at uh, Missouri's defense, which I thought going into the game was good enough to slow Georgia down, really wasn't on Saturday. I mean, Carson Beck had another very solid, efficient game, took care of business, and they ran the ball really well with Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton. They both had solid games. So just ultimately, you know, Missouri played pretty well in this game, but just did not really have the success on, on either aspect of the game to, uh, to, to pull this upset off. But, you know, on the road, played them tough. I, I thought they acquitted themselves decently well, but not really surprised that that's ultimately the way it played out. 
I mean, close game going into the fourth quarter, and Georgia makes enough plays like they do uh, to win games. But, yeah, I agree with you. If, if you were to tell me the strong point of this Missouri offense in this game, I would have thought it was Braden Cook, Theo East, Luther Burden. But, no, it was the run game. And I think the inability there to really get that pass game going, especially in the fourth quarter, is what ultimately cost them. I mean, the interceptions obviously were the, the big turnaround uh for for georgia to take care of this they hit two field goals in the fourth quarter and and then there you have it that that's how they win this football game and and i think it just speaks to georgia just how well this team is coached this is a team that they they haven't lost in you know two and a half years uh dating back to the sec title game in 2021 uh good teams find a way to win great teams find a way to win you know and that's what we're seeing with with Georgia, they may not be as talented as they've been in the years past, but they're still winning football games. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Uh, and right now, they control their destiny as far as playing for another national championship this year. They keep winning. Nobody's going to keep them out. Nobody's beat them in two and a half years. And they just keep on rolling. As far as a team that's not doing too well right now, we saw the outcome of the USC-Washington game. And let me just tell you, uh, spoiler alert, Alex Grinch was fired. The second coordinator in as many weeks as we found out their future. Last week, Brian Ferentz, it was announced that he would not be coaching beyond this year. Now Alex Grinch is out on the uh, – he's looking for – he's going to be looking for a job uh, now that he got fired after that 52-42 absolute offensive onslaught, defense optional showdown with number five, Washington. Yeah, uh, Patrick, I saw someone say on Twitter that uh, that Michigan's punishment from the NCAA should be having to hire Alex Grinch and Brian Ferentz as their coordinators. Um, just thought, I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, but anyway, so, yeah, I mean, this game was uh, – I mean, it kind of played out exactly like I would have thought. You know, neither team defensively is really quite there, but USC really not there. You know, like you said, Grinch fired, um, you know – probably should have happened last season. I mean, this was a long, long time coming. I, I think a lot of USC fans didn't want him to return this year. And they probably were right about that. Um, you know, you're you're seven and three and you've kind of wasted a, a window here. We've been talking about that on the show. You know, Caleb Williams is a really special player. I think he has his limitations. I think teams have, have kind of shown, especially in that Notre Dame game, that, that he has his weaknesses as a player that that we maybe hadn't seen as much of prior to this season. But He's still really special, and I think it's it's a it's honestly a shame that Lincoln, you know, while he has turned things around at USC and and raised the the floor, it is still frustrating. I think that, that they haven't been able to get over that hump, and it's largely because the defense is such a limiting factor. I mean, and you look at this game, Michael Penix had a good game, but this wasn't really the Michael Penix game. This was the Dylan Johnson game. You know, he was a revelation in this game. You know, Washington is not a team that has run the ball very well this season. Um, all in all, you know, they obviously rely a lot on Michael Penix and a lot on, you know, deep balls, uh, explosive plays in the passing game. Not in this game. You know, I think it's a pretty big indictment of USC and Alex Grinch that you could call uh, USC's defense a get right game. Um, but that's what it was. You know, they, they figured out a way to run the ball in this game. And Dylan Johnson went off for 256 yards and four touchdowns. So um, absolutely incredible game. If they can keep that up. That's something to, to keep an eye on. I think that might be more of a USC specific issue that they were able to take advantage of. But, 
you know, if, 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 if it wasn't already clear, the writing was on the wall for Alex Grinch, I think letting a team that hadn't really been able to run the ball very much go for over 250 on you, uh, that, that, uh, you know, that's pretty bad. Yeah. And, uh, I believe last week you, you called it, you said first team to punt in this game was going to lose. Well, that first team was the USC Trojans as they punted it away. Uh, to Washington. Washington returned serve, though. They punted it right back to them, uh, and that was really the only punt for Washington in that game. Uh, but, yeah, you, you go back to it, and you you talked about the defense. I mean, really just going back to the Colorado game, I think, is where it really started. You gave up 41 to that team. You won the game, but you gave up 41. You gave up 41 to Arizona in triple overtime. You gave up 48 to Notre Dame. That was a loss. You gave up 34 to Utah. That was a loss. You gave up 49 to California, barely won. And you gave up 52. So there's nothing that you, you look at the outcomes of these games and there was nothing that's really going to help them uh, as far as what the defense could provide. And, and that's why Grinch had to go. That's the same reason why Ohio State didn't keep Grinch around. That's the same reason why Oklahoma didn't want to keep him around. Although he left on his own volition, but you know they weren't going to want to keep him, especially with how that defense performed under his watch. And let's be honest, it's not going to get any better this week, Tyler. They got to go to Eugene, play in Autzen Stadium against an Oregon team that uh, might be the best team in the Pac-12 right now, regardless that Washington is undefeated. Uh, that, that Oregon Ducks team, they look like the real deal. Yeah, Oregon, if you didn't pay any attention, which it was on the Pac-12 network, so most of you probably did not, but they were kind of playing with their food a little bit against Cal. And it was like a 14 to 10 game. And it was like, what's going on there? And then you would check in every five minutes and it was just like, oh, oh God, oh no. And I think it ended up at like 63 to 19 or something like that. So Oregon looks really good. I mean, we talked about it last week, not to take anything away from Washington winning that game on the field. But I think if you pulled both of us, if they played on a neutral site today, I think we're both taking the Ducks and I am a little afraid of what that Oregon team is going to do to USC. You know, an Oregon team that is as complete, I think, as anyone in the country, um, you know, on both sides of the ball. Tough, tough matchup. You know, you saw what they did to a Utah team that really has USC figured out. They absolutely demolished them. This is going to be a scary game, I think, potentially. Yeah, Bo Nix might have 500 combined yards in this game. Come on, running the football, potentially. Throw in the football. I mean, he almost had 400 against Cal. Um, and USC's defense is just as bad. So, definitely that. Uh, let's talk about our surprise of the week. Uh, for me, Tyler, I think it was Rutgers. Uh, you know, there for a while, because when I made my pick, I said, you know, Ohio State's going to cover the spread in this one. And it wasn't until a late backdoor cover that I was right. Uh, I was a little bit surprised, though, given how good the Ohio State defense has been this year. Uh, that Rutgers, who really doesn't have a great offense, was able to hang around. Um, but they are a much improved Scarlet Knights team, just not enough to deal uh, with the the waves that can come at you when you're facing an Ohio State team. Yeah, I mean, let's just be honest. Like Rutgers was never going to win this game, but like this is a plucky team. They're, they, I think Greg Schiano's done a really underrated job um, um, with Rutgers. You know, I think. You know, they, they played them pretty tough and they're bowl eligible. 
And, you know, the end of the season is absolutely brutal for this team. They kind of had a, a two-game stretch that was the season. You know, they needed to win them both to get to bowl eligibility against Michigan State and Indiana. They got those wins. Um, so they're kind of playing with house money at this point, you know, in, in a really brutal schedule down the stretch, just kind of trying to see if they can knock someone off. And I think they, you know, I think they have a chance this weekend. I think this is the one, if you're going to see this team get to seven wins and sort of, you know, which seven wins in the Big Ten East, I think it should go without saying that's a unquestioned success um, in Piscataway. So if they could get this win this weekend against uh, Iowa, it'd be huge. Regardless, though, I mean, again, really impressive job. This team is it punches above its weight class, and it's not going to be in the Big Ten East after this year. So things are going to get at least a little bit nicer. So I think you got to be kind of happy with your outlook if you're Rutgers. I mean, things look brighter now than they have since you made the jump to the Big Ten, which has been pretty much nothing, has brought you pretty much nothing but pain um, in that time. Yeah, um, and they got close. You know, it was a five-point game late, and then, well, Marvin Harrison does what Marvin Harrison does, hauls in two touchdowns, game over, uh, and Ohio State wins 35-16, to 16, covers that 18.5-point spread, barely. Uh, but, again, like you said, they're punching above their weight class. Talk about Rutgers. Um, you know, hats off to them and the job that they're doing. Uh, unfortunately, Tyler, we saw a New Year's Six bull bid come to an end out west in the state of Colorado and just an absolutely abysmal uh, performance uh, by one of our service academies. Yeah, heart, heartbreaking, heartbreaking loss from Air Force. Um, undefeated no more. They were 8-0 coming into this game. Fall 23-3 to at home to a pretty bad Army team. Um, an Army team I watched pretty closely a couple weeks ago when they got shut out by LSU 62 to nothing. Uh, had a lot more success in this game. You know, Zach Larrier, the Air Force quarterback, who's been really good this year. I mean, they have a very efficient offense. Was not efficient. Not efficient in this game. Uh, they went. He went nine of twenty-two passing. Had a pair of interceptions. Air Force overall in this game had six turnovers. Um, Army had zero. You probably lose that game eleven times out of ten. So can't really. Uh, you know that kind of tells the whole story there. Army wins this game with two hundred and fifty-three yards of total offense. Bryson Daly, the quarterback, uh, goes off on the ground. He totals, what, uh, 170 yards and two touchdowns rushing. So kind of just a breakdown across the board for an Air Force team that have been really solid all season, you know, and still has a chance to win the Mountain West um, undefeated in league play there. Probably, though, ends any hope of a New Year's Six bid for this team. Um, and then in, in turn opens the door for, you know, uh, Tulane to return, maybe Liberty. They're still undefeated. So uh, something to watch there, but disappointing. And now Army uh, will go into that Navy game, controlling its own destiny in the Commander in Chiefs Cup. So they could uh, they could take that with with a win. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Tulane, you're right. I think they've kind of taken over that New Year's Six Bowl bit. Uh, but they're in a uh, three horse race out in the American Athletic Conference to see who's going to come away as a, a winner. And hopefully, you know, if Tulane plays its cards right. Perhaps they're back in the New Year's New Year's Six Bowl bid, uh, as we saw last year against USC, which was, I guess, the beginning of the end for Alex Grinch out there. Uh, Tulane, SMU, and UTSA all at five and zero at the top of that AAC. So that'll be an that's an interesting three horse race right there, Tyler. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the AAC is really interesting. And and talking about Tulane, by the way. I want to talk about a team that's been playing with fire? Uh, beat Rice thirty to thirty to twenty eight last week. 
beat a really bad East Carolina team. Uh, they were one, they're now one and eight, beat them 13 to 10 on Saturday. So Tulane, not quite the same as last year. You know, they got Michael Pratt back. I think we maybe uh, understated how big of a loss Ty J Spears would be on this team. You know, I think he's really made, losing him has made a big difference. But they're still uh, eight and one, you know, only losses to Ole Miss. So certainly not that bad there. Went out, they're probably in. But there are, again, there are some tricky teams. You know, Memphis is a good team in this conference, UTSA. So we'll see how things play out. All right, let's run through uh, the Power Five conference title pictures. Uh, we'll start in the ACC just quick. Florida State, LS, uh, LSU, I'm sorry, Florida State, Louisville. That seems like an almost a foregone conclusion. You talked about potentially Louisville could probably lose another game. Um, they have a one-game lead over Georgia Tech for that number two spot uh, in the ACC title game. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Georgia Tech, I mean, we'll see. Look, first of all, we're going to know what Georgia Tech's, if Georgia Tech's a real candidate, um, we'll know after this week because they play Clemson in Clemson. So, uh, you know, they, they've they been plucky. They're going to have to go beat a team that has a lot of momentum on its side right now in, in Death Valley where they have uh, historically played very well. So that's going to be tricky, I think. Uh, moving on to the Big 12, we have Texas, Oklahoma, who won the de facto uh, semifinal games last week. Uh, they kind of own, they kind of hold their destiny in their own hands. Kansas, Oklahoma, Kansas State, West Virginia, Iowa State, all tied, uh, five-way tie for that, like, number three spot. So, but essentially, Oklahoma would need both Kansas and Oklahoma State to falter for them to jump back in the picture. So I think we might see an all-orange Big 12 title game in Arlington. Yeah, like we talked about, you know, realistically ended Oklahoma shot at, at reaching the Big 12 title, though, you know, we could always see some chaos happen. But Texas, you know, passed their big test without Quinn Ewers. We still don't really know what his timetable of return looks like, but without Malik Murphy, they, they pull it off in overtime against Kansas State. So they're still sort of in the driver's seat there. And yeah, I, I think barring some sort of pretty surprising upset, it looks like we're heading towards a Texas-Oklahoma State Big 12 championship, which I, I don't think anyone after that Oklahoma uh, win over Texas. I don't think anyone would have guessed that that's what we would be getting. Uh, yep. That, that, that is for certain. It felt like Oklahoma was the team that absolutely was going to be there. Uh, and now it's Texas. That's absolutely going to be there. It looks like out in the big 10, it's really a three dog race at the top of the big 10 East Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state winner gets to beat down Iowa. Uh, it seems like I was not locked into that spot, but that just seems like to be the way that it's trending. Uh, Michigan and Penn State will play this week. So one of those teams, well, if Penn State loses, they're ultimately out, and it'll boil down to Michigan-Ohio State once again. Or if Penn State wins this game, there's there could be a lot of chaos uh, <laughs> come, come week 13. Yeah, the Big Ten is definitely the X factor with all these discussions. You know, it could we could end up getting a pretty chalky playoff, but things could get weird. Um, you know, like you said, Penn State could functionally be out of this race if they lose to Michigan this weekend. If they pull off that win, though, and then, you know, Ohio State can can get back in the win column against Michigan. Yeah, you're looking at a three-way tie of 11 and one teams and could get very, very interesting, you know, as far as which one gets the gets the nod to go play in Indianapolis and then obviously if any of them can sneak in uh as an 11 and 1 non-conference champ um into the playoffs. So Big 10 definitely a lot of potential for chaos but all of that really hinges on Penn State finding a way to win this weekend. Absolutely. All right, we have in Conference USA Liberty Flames 7 and 0. 
nine and zero overall. They look like a shoe in to play for the Conference USA Championship or to be the champs. Unfortunately, Jacksonville State, who's five and one and seven and three overall, doesn't qualify for the postseason because of a stupid NCAA rule. Looks like New Mexico State, who's really been fantastic since Jerry Kill took over that program. Yeah, um, want to talk about both of them for a second. So first of all, yeah, Jacksonville State. One of a couple teams that's it's competitive in their conference, but unfortunately not eligible to win it. Also, James Madison would probably be the favorite to win the Sun Belt right now. Uh, but like like Jacksonville State, they're not postseason eligible. New Mexico State, unbelievable, by the way. You know, understandably a team we don't really talk about a ton on this show, but man, Jerry Kill has done an incredible job. They're bowl eligible. They're uh, probably going bowling back to back for the first time since 1959, 1960 unbelievable work at, at a program that has just not had really any football success um, to speak of in decades. I just want to know if Jerry kills getting another tattoo, if they go bowling <laughs> and win their game. That's what I want to know. All right, let's check on to the Mac. Who doesn't love some action? Miami of Ohio, seven and two, four and one in the East, likely going to play Toledo, who is five and zero oh and eight and one uh, Toledo versus Miami. That could be a really fun matchup. Both high-scoring teams, they put up a good amount of points. Um, and, and, of course, like I said, who doesn't love Maction? Oh, yeah, it's great. You know, we're getting into November. These games are all going to matter on the weeknights. Um, yeah, Toledo, I mean, they, they always recruit at the highest level in this conference. You know, they uh, you know won it last year. They are obviously the most talented team. And then Miami, Ohio is kind of a surprise uh, this season, you know, has sort of – uh, I think, you know, Chuck Martin, the coach there, maybe was a little bit warm in his seat coming into the year, but they've had a very, very nice season. Um, and obviously winning that uh, Eastern division would go a long way. Absolutely. All right, let's check out the Mountain West. We got Air Force. He's coming off that loss, but it was non-conference. They're 5-0 and in conference play. Likely uh, we'll have to face off with Fresno State UNLV. Uh, just hats off to to the job that the Rebels head coach that is is he's doing. Um, I, I, that's a, that's a program that kind of people had written off in recent years and, and really now Odom, Odom looks like he's got them rolling. Yeah. I mean, this seemed like a little bit of a weird hire kind of on both ends. It was like, I'm not sure what UNLV sees here. I'm not sure what Barry Odom sees here. Obviously they both saw something though. This is working really well. Um, you know, no one thought they would come out of the gates, uh, uh, playing the way they have this year. So they're squarely in the mix. Mountain West is actually a really interesting conference. You know, a lot of good teams between, like you said, them, Fresno, you know, Wyoming and Boise have, have played some really good games this season. Uh, it's a fun, it's a fun league. Um, it's kind of a bummer that they've sort of self-immolated um, and neither of them or none of those teams really have a legit shot at the New Year's Six, barring some some wackiness down the stretch. Yep. And then we have out in the Pac-12, uh, before we get into the SEC, the Pac-12, Clearly, it's Washington, Oregon. We've talked about this at length. Um, without some wacky stuff going on with Oregon and or Washington, uh, that looks like the matchup we're going to see. Uh, Arizona might be quietly one of the better teams in the Pac-12, sitting there at 4-2 and two just behind USC. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like we're heading towards a USC – I'm sorry, an Oregon-Washington rematch um, in the championship here. I think – you know, USC, if they could pull the upset this weekend, um, obviously gets back in that mix. I think that's a big ask, but we'll see. Um, Arizona, yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're you know, at least, um, you know, functionally in the mix. I think 
we'll see if they can kind of keep up the, the, the really impressive stretch of play they've been on um, down the stretch. But yeah, I mean, the race could certainly get interesting. You know, there, there are some teams that could, could crash that party, but I think, you know, Washington has a pretty good uh, odds to win out. And I think Oregon does too. Um, and obviously if they both do, then that'll be a rematch. Uh, out in the SEC, uh, Georgia out of the East. Uh, I think that's a pretty foregone conclusion at this point. They're 6-0 in conference play, 9-0 overall. Uh, Alabama 6-0 in conference play, 8-1 overall. Uh, Ole Miss is still in the picture, so to speak, but they're going to have to beat Georgia and hope that Alabama drops two games uh, for them to have a shot at getting in there. Uh, So I would probably guess that this is Georgia-Alabama all over again, 2021. Yeah, Georgia is, I mean, they they just beat the team that was their biggest competition in the East. So they haven't clinched, but it's all but a guarantee at this point. And then Alabama uh, is sort of in the same boat. Um, They could clinch with a win over Kentucky this weekend. Um, Ole Miss still has to play Georgia. Either So an Ole Miss loss would also clinch it for, uh, for Alabama. So I think... Yeah, you're probably between either Georgia beating Ole Miss or Alabama beating Kentucky. I think you're in all likelihood going to see the championship game spots get locked up this weekend. And then we're going to wrap this up, this segment. Um, We have the Sun Belt Fun Belt. James Madison, who again, uh, much like Jacksonville State, is screwed out of any postseason play due to the fact that NCAA ruling on schools moving up from the FCS to the FBS. So it looks like we'll have a Coastal Carolina Chanticleers facing off with Troy Trojans uh, in the Sun Belt Championship, uh, barring anything crazy in the last three weeks. Yeah, Troy Troy's the defending champion in this league. Um, kind of had a slow start to this season, but they're playing pretty well right now. Uh, look like the best team in the league that's eligible to win it, uh, because obviously, like you said, James Madison is not. Coastal has had a very nice year. I think they could have easily had a drop off. You know, uh, they lose their coach. Jamie Chadwell goes to Liberty, obviously doing a very nice job there. Um, But, you know, new coach Tim Beck comes in, the OC from NC State. Again, a bit bit of a slow start, but they've turned around. They've won some nice games down the stretch. And, you know, they've done it without Grayson McCall, by the way. Grayson McCall um, had had a kind of a bad start to the year and then got hurt. So he's not playing right now and they're still winning games. So, you know, Tim Beck has sort of found a way to, to get things right in year one. And if they could win that uh, East division, that'd be pretty cool. And we're going to wrap up this episode of the college 12 pack by doing our final segment. Tyler, it's time for therapy. Some people need some therapy out there and I'm going to kick things off here. Washington state. Unfortunately, the Washington state Cougars, have lost a lot of games in a row, a lot. And uh, it's it's unfortunate because when you look at Washington State and what they were looking like coming into the season, a lot of people thought this this could be a team that made some noise this year. Uh, but unfortunately, their run this season hasn't gone well since they beat Oregon State 38-35 on September 23rd. I'm talking losses to UCLA blown out against Arizona, got beat by Oregon, got beat by Arizona State, lost to Stanford. And frankly, they could lose this week to California and Colorado next week. That's kind of the role that they've been on of late. Uh, Really unfortunate, but uh, hopefully it'll be a little bit better in basketball season for the Washington State fans because I don't think this season is going to end well for them. 
Um, and unfortunately, I, I think they might be looking for a new head coach in the very near future. Uh, whatever role momentum that Jake Dykert had coming out of that 2020 season seems like it's all gone now. Yeah, we've really run like the gamut of emotions here with, with this team this season. Um, you know, early on, you know, when they beat Oregon State, we were like, wow, is this going to be a dark horse in the Pac-12? And then they lost a couple games. It's like, OK, no, they're more towards the middle of the pack. Now they've lost, you know, back-to-back games to two of the worst teams in the league in Arizona State and Stanford. Now, all of a sudden, I mean, this – a bowl for a team that we thought could be a competitor in the Pac-12, a bowl looks tough to not likely. I mean, they end the year – got to likely win their next two games because they finished the season at Was- against Washington. I don't think they're going to win that game. Uh, they got to win these next two against uh, Cal and Colorado. They're four and five. I mean, both those teams – have their problems, but have also, you know, played some good teams tough. I don't think either of those are a given. And unless you're going to knock off Washington, you got to win one of them. So yeah, I think you could miss a bowl here and things could get really, uh, really rough for, for Jake Dyker. Like you, like you were saying. One in five that that's their Pac-12 record right now. Lost five in a row, not looking good. The teams that they're tied with Arizona state, that's already beat them. California. They play this week, Colorado in the next couple of weeks. I would arguably say they, the losses to Stanford and Arizona State, not only the two worst teams in the league, they might be the two worst teams in all of college football. Uh, that's how bad that they have been this year um, and, and in recent years. That's tough. But, uh, Tyler, I'm going to give you the floor because I know you need some much-needed therapy uh, this week. Yeah, this one's personal for me. Uh, Arkansas 39, Florida 36 in overtime. Look, <sighs> Speechless, honestly, speechless. You know, Florida's five and four, which is a little misleading uh, because, as I'll get to in a second, the rest of the schedule is brutal here. So I don't know what to do with Billy Napier, to be honest with you. So he's 11 and 11 uh, overall at Florida. He's seven and 11 against power five teams, which is not not where you want to be. I mean, he is recruiting well. There's no doubt about it. Next year's team is going to be a lot more talented. He's got currently a class that ranks third in the country. Uh, got a five-star quarterback committed. Got uh, like seven top 100 guys. Like he, he has a really nice 2024 class. Also, you keep losing games that just in inexplicable ways. I mean, this one, I, I mean, if you didn't watch this game. So Florida's driving. It's it's the game is tied at thirty three uh, in the final minute. Florida's driving down the field. They are getting into field goal range, but they don't have any timeouts left. Right, so they get the first down. Clock temporarily stops. They're in field goal range for what would be a thirty nine yard field goal. They rush to the line to spike the ball, but instead of just you know spiking the ball like you do in that situation, they for some reason feel that they need to sub out like half their offense. They do that. Uh, Napier said after the game it was a mistake, like it was a miscommunication. But they do that, and in the process of doing that, they get an illegal substitution penalty. So that luckily was a dead ball penalty, so it didn't wasn't a 10-second runoff that ended the game. But it did move the field goal back five yards, and Trey Smack, the kicker who had been really solid, misses from 44. Can't say for sure he would have hit that game winner from 39, but, I mean, certainly more likely. Game goes to overtime. Florida kicks a field goal. Arkansas goes down, scores, wins. <sighs> Billy Napier, I've talked about on the show, he doesn't have a special teams coordinator, right? He has a quality control analyst that handles that, but he's not, you know, on, you know, analysts are not on field coaches. So that limits your ability in game to do those kind of things. 
also doesn't have an offensive coordinator and that's continuing to cause problems. You know, Billy Napier's play calling while this team did produce a little bit offensively in this game, it still isn't where it needs to be. Florida has a really bad offensive line and they're not scheming to take advantage of it. It's just really causing a lot of problems now that they're playing better teams and they are playing a lot better teams. And they're, like I said, they're five and four. You look at their remaining schedule. They've got to go at LSU this weekend at Missouri after that. And then they close the season at home against Florida state. So you've got to win one of those games to get to bowl eligibility. You'll probably be at least a touchdown underdog in all of them. It's not looking great. And, you know, Billy Napier went six and seven last year. He's looking at five and seven this year. He's not on the hot seat. He's not going to get fired this season, barring like, you know, they lose out and, uh, you know, the recruiting class falls apart and, and then he has really no leg to stand on at that point. But Man, he enters 2024 with so much to prove. Um, and it's tough because I'm not going to read the schedule off, but it's Florida's schedule next year is insane. So <laughs> he's going to come into next year with really high expectations, a ton of pressure, and a very tough gauntlet to do it. Uh, things are not great for Florida right now. Obviously, time to turn it around. And if you win one of these last three games, people won't really remember as much what happened against Arkansas. But if you don't and you miss a bowl game in year two, it's tough. Yep, and uh, I am looking at that 2024 schedule as we speak, and you're not lying. I was not lying. It's, it's that, awful. That's that's a that's a rough one. Uh, only one game against a non-power five team, Stanford in in week two. That that's going to be a tough one. But yeah, I, I think you look at Florida right now, and uh, especially losing to an Arkansas team who was pretty much one of the worst in the SEC. Hadn't Had lost a, six in a row. Six in a row, hadn't won a SEC game this year going in. Uh, it really looked like um, one of the worst Arkansas teams I've seen since Chad Morris. Uh, also had an interim offensive coordinator in his first game and put up almost 500 yards. That's saying something. That's saying something. Uh, but hopefully for, for Florida's sake, they can get another win, get to the postseason. But it is going to be tough, and we'll kind of see how LSU looks this week uh, heading in. Uh, we do know Jaden Daniels had to leave the game with an injury, but uh, we'll see how he shakes out throughout the week. But as we know, I think he has a capable backup in uh, Garrett Nussmeyer. I think he's capable of doing some things. But that'll do it for this edition of the College 12-Pack. We're going to be back on Wednesday uh, as we get you ready for Week 11. Got some big games coming up. Uh, as we enter the final leg of the season uh, and we get you ready for conference championships in a couple weeks. And uh, we will recap the college football playoff week two rankings uh, that will be revealed on Tuesday night. But for Tyler, I'm Patrick. See you on Wednesday.